Bandwidth for this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Midas Green Technologies, virtual private servers submerged in oil. Find out more at MidasGreenTech.com. Mac Power Users, Episode 57, Power Text Editing. Hello, friends. This is David Sparks. Along with me today is Katie Floyd. Hello, Katie. Hey, David. Hey, Brett. Yeah, we've hey. got a, we've got another oh. person with us today. Brett, I let Kirk. the secret out. Hi. Yeah, <laughs> Brett is the is in my mind the what is word you use? Uh, mad scientists. Brett. It, it has become yeah my moniker. Yes, Brett is the mad scientist of the Macintosh platform. Evil genius. It absolutely. I don't think you go to evil genius. I haven't seen you go evil yet. Have you, Brett? I, I don't see myself as evil or or uh, I'm I'm too humble to be a genius. Yeah. So yeah, no, I stick with mad scientist because that can be some eccentric fool, and that could fit me just well, just as fine. Well, what I think is that this guy cooks up all these things that are always exactly what I need, even though I didn't even realize I needed it. And, and then he uh, gives them to us. Yeah. So it's at brettterpstra.com is your main website. We'll put a link uh, in the show notes. But, yeah, you've written for Tua, and you've got a great app in the App Store, Marked, which is the like premier Markdown converter app. Even according to John Gruber, who created Markdown, so that must mean it's true, right? I, I, I take that as a huge compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, when I saw John link you, I was like, all right, Brett's made it, man. That's got to yeah. be a little nerve-wracking. Ooh, is he going to be okay with this? Well, see, technically, I used the multi-markdown implementation, so I was more concerned that Fletcher would be okay with it, and oh. he was. Okay. So. Yeah, Fletcher's a great guy. We had him on our show once. Yeah, he's, he's a nerd for sure. Yeah. So in addition to your app, uh, Brett has this amazing collection of services and text expander snippets and other things that just keep coming out of his labs. So I recommend that anyone listening to this just go subscribe to the RSS feed at brettterpster.com and... It's almost like, you know, uh, Santa comes almost like once a week, right? Even yes. more often now, you're, you're doing yeah, more. Yeah, I'm, I'm making an attempt to, to be a little more uh, bloggy. Yeah, but it's just great stuff. So uh, the, the point of this show really is that um, there's all this talk about text, TextMate, you know, is it going to stick around or not because it hasn't had a real active development. And then BB Edit came out with this super update. And, you know, a lot of people, even on 5 by 5 are talking about it. But I feel like I'm kind of in a weird place because I don't really code. I mean, I play with Xcode and stuff, but I, I don't really, I don't make my living writing code or HTML or the things that people generally need to buy one of these really fancy pants text editors for. But there's part of me that's wondering if I'm missing something. You know, as a writer, should I be using some of these power text editors? And I thought, you know, Brett is the guy to make the case because he's done some amazing things with, with TextMate and specifically to make your writing better. And I thought, well, let's just go over that and see, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people like me who are scratching their heads right now thinking, do they need to spend extra money to get one of these fancy uh, text editors? Yeah. And I'm one of those people too, Brett, because I, you know, I, I use text edit and before that I use simple text and uh, that's been a while actually. And I'm sitting here going, you know, what is this with, with BB edit and TextMate? And if I'm not coding, if I'm not, you know, hand coding HTML or, or, or writing code or doing any of those things or editing plist files, do I really need to go with a solution like this? If all that I'm truly doing is editing 
text and what are the pros and cons and what are the features that I get? And then, you know, what other, what other solutions are there out there? I think, you know, we're gonna talk about by word and then your product, uh, NV alt in the, the spinoff of notational velocity and, and some other things. So hopefully we'll, we'll figure out kind of what people can do to, to create text more effectively. And then, you know, if what they're doing is working great, what are the other options out there if they're looking to take a next step and, you know, Maybe maybe yeah. there don't need to be any changes. So I think the starting point is for me to lay on your couch, Brett, and tell you my story. Okay. All right. So uh, I, I love to write in text. That's basically how I write everything these days. And uh, so I've I've latched on to over the last I don't know four months or so, basically since Lion came out, um, this uh, byword. Uh, I just love this this text editor byword. It's like 10 bucks in the app store. We'll put a link in the show notes. And it does a great job. It looks beautiful. Um, it's, I think, a little bit of a step above text edit because it's got that markdown syntax built in. It plays really nicely with your marked app. And uh, I do most of my writing there. I also use Scrivener for big projects. And I use NVALT kind of as a text bank where I'm putting text into NVALT. But you guys have hooks in NVALT where... I can use Byword essentially as my external text editor for it. And so now I've got this really nice workflow where I write everything in Byword, and that's pretty much where it happens. What do you think? Um, well, I, uh, I actually do much the same, except for I add TextMate to the end of the workflow. But I'm a huge Byword fan. I'm, I'm with you on that because it's... It's just better for writing. Even if you don't use it full screen with autosave and with the themes that it has, I feel much more comfortable doing long form writing in Byword. And then I'll generally just skip doing my markdown style links and everything as I'm writing and sometimes make little notes that I need to go back and link things. But TextMate for me becomes like, that's it's the power editor. I can highlight something hit two keys and it's linked, you know, and I don't have to deal with syntax or anything. I can do automatic searches on the web and pick from five top results and create my links like bolding, italics, all of that. It, it's great in Byword. Byword has really good tools for that. And if that's all you need to do, um, TextMate's a hard sell. And so are some of the other, other, uh, paid editors, but, um, yeah, we'll get into more of that in a bit, I think. But. Yeah, yeah, we will. But let, let's talk for a little bit then about ByWord. So the the way I specifically use ByWord is, is like you said, I I do all of my markdown formatting as I type. Um, I think the one area where I can see TextMate helping is linking, and you know, because links are a pain, right? Even with markdown, they're still kind of a pain. Yeah. Uh, in markdown, I'm sorry, in ByWord, it automatically creates the the sibling. Um, uh, you know, uh, auto pairs. Yeah, exactly. So if I put a bracket, then it creates the second bracket, and it puts the cursor in the middle. So that makes it pretty easy. So what I do is, uh, as I write, uh, like you, I don't stop to put links in as I'm writing because you know my brain isn't that good anyway. So I need to keep going while I got the flow. And um, but I will put in a placeholder for the link. So if I'm going to put a link to Brett Terpster's website, I'll put you know. Bracket, and then that'll put the cursor mills off. Say Brett Terpster's website, and then next to it, I'll put bracket Brett, and just leave it like that. 
That's smart. And then I'll just keep typing. And then when I get to the end of the project, I go down and manually type in Brett. You know, I type in a list of all the links from the article. When I'm proofreading, mm-hmm. I just make a note of them. And so at the end of the day, I've got the article written and I've got the link placeholders at the bottom. And then I've got a, um, a and then you, know, you put a colon after it, and then you just put the link in. And then I just right. go in Safari and, and track down all the links. And then in Safari, I use Command L to highlight the, the browser bar and grab the link and then paste it in. And so I go through and do that. But, you know, that takes some time. And I know there's some ways to do that. I, I've actually myself created, uh, you know, text expander snippets to do that for me to make it easier. But I haven't got in the habit of using them. I still find that it's just as easy for me to do it this way. But, uh, you know, I'd like to hear how you do it because I know you've got some really cool stuff you do in TextMate. Well, uh, let's, let, so. let's, let's take a time out. Let's, let's back up for a minute first. All right. Because I think we're, we may have jumped ahead just a little too fast for a minute because we're talking about text editing and, um, you know, we've kind of immediately jumped to our solutions. But let's step back for a minute. Let's look at what is the problem that we're trying to solve here. Or, or what is the context for the problem that we're getting into? And maybe just give a very brief primer because we did an entire show on it already. But I know we have a lot of new listeners who maybe haven't gone back and listened to our entire back catalog yet about using tools like Markdown and Multi-Markdown and why that is more efficient than, than just doing straight HTML links or something like that. Well, my problem is that I'm a nerd. And if somebody's doing something that's cooler... Uh, I want to be doing it too. Okay. That's that's the that's the underlying problem because I've got a system that works now, but I I mean I think I need something better, right? All right. Well, let, let me go back and let me tell you my problem. Okay. okay. So my problem is is I'm I'm creating a blog post, and you know if you're using the built-in WordPress editor, which is kind of a pain in the butt, you can go in and you can highlight something and you can create a link, but it's much more efficient to write something in your own text editor of choice and and to create your own document and to put all your links in and to put in all your HTML and and be done with it. And 10, 15 years ago, back when I was in high school or college, I learned HTML back when, you know, people hand coded HTML sites and, and so forth and so on. But HTML is a pain and people really don't. I mean, if you're just doing a blog post and there are people who do insist on pure hand coding their own HTML, but if all you're doing is you're writing a blog post or you want to link to something Hand coding HTML is really a pain. So uh, it started with John Gruber, Daring Fireball, who created this language called Markdown, which was basically a, a syntax or an abbreviated form of creating code to, in more, I guess I would call it more human readable text, perhaps easier to remember way of, of writing to keep yourself within your workflow and referencing back to to links and creating ordered lists and paragraphs and headings and things like that. You guys could probably explain this better than I am. Again, we did a whole show on it. So and and then again there was Fletcher Penny's multi markdown approach on top of that. And now all of these word processors and editors as as this has become popular have have built in these formats. So the problem that's been created is you've got all these bloggers and content producers who want to pour out content as quickly as they can are looking for faster, more efficient ways to write, to write clearly, to write with less distractions, but without jumping back and forth between a bunch of windows and copying and pasting and searching for what they're looking for. Is that a reasonable summary of the problem? Quite. 
Okay. All right. So now you can go on. <laughs> well, you know, while you're talking, Katie, because you were you had an interesting comment. You actually write everything in text edit, the built-in text editor. I do. Okay, so explain that a little bit. You know, I I wrote most of my things in in text edit when we're just talking about text because it's simple. It's what I've used. It's always built into the operating system. And you can either export as HTML or you can, you know, copy and paste into, um, in my case, WordPress uh, into the, the WordPress entry. And once you've proofread it, it comes, come, once you've proofread it, it comes back, uh, you know, pretty clean and, and copy and paste it in and, and be done with it. And sometimes there's a little bit cleanup to be done. Now, do you write as HTML? Do you hand code HTML while you do it? Or you just write text and use the text editor's export to H- HTML feature? Uh, I usually, um, well, well, my workflow has changed a little bit, mainly, mainly thanks to Brad, but my, the way that I would normally write it is I was, would write it in RTF format and I would use the, um, uh, what is it? Command K where you can create a link and link. Yep. And I had text expander snippets where it would create a link of, of whatever was in my, of my clipboard. So if I had something highlighted, I could, you know, highlight in command K and create a, create a link of whatever was in my clipboard, um, and go from there. And so I would have this this RTF document that I could then either export as HTML or just copy and paste into a into a WordPress blog post. But then after we did our markdown show, or kind of as we were prepping up for our markdown show, I thought, you know, that's that's probably a little more efficient way to use it. So my mind started. So I learned some of the markdown syntax, but because you know, again, ten fifteen years ago, I learned HTML originally. I was always interchanging a little bit of HTML with a little bit of Markdown. And that, that doesn't work well if you're just straight copying and pasting. Um, and thankfully that's where Brett's app marked has, has come in handy for me because it understands that I can uh, use some of that language uh, interchangeably and it will give me some nice HTML that I can copy and paste and throw into my blog post. Hey, you know, I, I always thought that, you know, text edited is, you know, only better than Microsoft Word and making uh, lousy HTML code when you have it actually do it for you. I mean, it is it is better than Microsoft Word, yeah, but it exactly. does make some lousy code. I mean, Microsoft Word, those are awesome when you see the HTML. That that's unbelievable. Yeah. I have written entire services just for cleaning that up, and they usually have swear words in the title because it gets really frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why they even try that, but I guess people use it, but uh, the uh, but absolutely, I think Markdown changes the game. I, you know, the funny thing about Markdown is it was created really for the purpose we're talking about for creating code for the web. But I found it that you know it's found a really second life with the emergence of uh, mobile devices and the desire to to keep text formatting in a plain text file. I mean, it serves a purpose that didn't exist when it was created. But um, you know when you come to writing code for the web, I mean, that's really what it was made for to begin with. And it really excels at that. And I think this is a good spot to kind of explain Brett's $3 app marked, which is, I think a no brainer. I mean, I just, and I told you this off the air, Brett, I mean, as soon as I heard you had an app, I just bought it. I didn't even know what it did because I just feel like I've, I've stole so many great uh, <laughs> services from you over the years. You've, you've created so much for the community. I feel like I owe you something, but the, um, uh, but explain for us a little bit about how Marked works. Well, Marked is, uh, at, at its core, it, it basically watches any text file you're working on in any editor, and every time that file saves or updates, 
um, it shows you a live, well, pseudo live markdown preview, the HTML WebKit version of the markdown that you're writing in that text editor. Um, and then it has customizable themes. You can use custom processors if you don't want to use the built-in multi-markdown. Uh, it has a few, um, like you can remove YAML headers and things like that for advanced users, uh, Jekyll users especially. Um, so it's great for blogging. It can also output PDFs and print uh, using the built-in styles and custom CSS as well. It gets it gets uh, creative, but at its base, it, it's, it watches files and gives you a preview. And then for someone like Katie, who's writing in text edit, and she's you know she's an HTML wizard as well as a Markdown person, so she's actively writing both code in the same document. This is really kind of a godsend because it it gives her the ability to preview no matter what she's got in that text edit document. So it adds a feature to text edit that doesn't exist, which is you know Markdown preview, but it also allows her to speak in multiple languages while she's writing. Right, and ultimately uh, makes the conversion to HTML for pasting. Correct. A breeze, super easy. And and yeah. I I would call that more a disorder than anything else. My my inability to keep. So I think I'm writing in three languages. I'm writing in plain text, Markdown, and HTML. And it's yeah. not intentional. And and then but in marked it, it gives you that beautiful preview. But then you push a button and it, it spits out a a clean version of the HTML code, right. not this nonsense you get with Word. Right. And then you can just copy and paste that into your WordPress blog and you're off to the races. And right. if, if I can add another... Or to blog, anything. Yeah. See, if you're using WordPress, you really need to check out Markdown Quick Tags, which is a plugin I wrote that takes the, the, the um, text, the source view editor in WordPress, replaces all the buttons with Markdown buttons, and gives you a bunch of extra features like auto pairing and wrapping. Um, basically, it turns the TextMate editor into a mini TextMate. The WordPress editor into a mini TextMate. Yeah. Okay. If you if you use Markdown in WordPress, it can also convert the Markdown right in the editor. You can preview and then convert and paste it into the visual editor. It works. It's cool. And uh, see, I use Squarespace for Max Sparky, and it, it it accepts a Markdown file as the as the blog entry. So I just write it in Markdown. I don't convert it to HTML anymore. I just you know when it's the Markdown file is done, I just copy and paste it into their editor and hit post. Yeah, my blog renders to cache. I everything is stored in Markdown in my database, yeah. um, and then it renders to cache and serves up HTML. But when I go in to edit something, I still have my Markdown. Good. All right, so that's kind of what I'm doing, and you know, and the, you know, uh, before we move on though, you know, uh, Mart works particularly well with Byword. I mean, didn't you work with those guys? Yeah, well, uh, we've had um, exchanges since I put out Marked, um, and we both love each other's software. That's become apparent. Um, we he uh, wrote uh, Jorge from Byword wrote uh, CSS style for Marked. That gives you the byword, the two byword styles, so you can use marked and get those styles in any other editor, or use it in in conjunction with byword. Because um, with byword, you have to switch from your text to your preview, and so you can't have both up on the screen at the same time. Marked fixes that. Nice, nice. And I don't want to say that you know byword is the only app you should use. There, there is the you know it used to be that you had Write Room. If you wanted a simple mm-hmm. text editor, you either had text editor or Write Room. And Write Room is a great app, and it's still out there. Mm-hmm. But there's been like this 
I guess you want to call it like this, this gold rush of guys coming into the Mac app store with text editors. There's, I don't know how many, you know, there's probably hundreds of them by this point and they've all got their own, you know, unique features. And, you know, I don't know that ByWord is necessarily the best, but it's the one that I seem to have latched onto and I'm very happy with it. So you'd, it'd be really hard to get me off of it at this point. I but, have tried them all. I think yeah. as a, as a, as a two hour writer, I, I, I love apps and I try everything and um, Byword Omwriter Dana was pretty cool, yeah. but it had some features that I just didn't need. Byword is exactly what I've been looking for and it's my favorite. I won't, I won't claim that it's the end all be all for everybody, but it is definitely in a well-informed, uh, educated opinion it's a really great editor. Yeah, and I feel the same way. And uh, and I think it's very interesting, and nobody's really talking about it yet, but Apple's made it public that the iOS 5 um, has RTF tools in it, which was never the case with the prior versions of iOS. It was always plain text. So now does rich text become the next battleground for all these people? And are we going to see this new wave of rich text editors uh, in the next few months on both the Mac and the iOS devices? I don't really know. Um, frankly, I'm really happy with plain text, and I don't think I'd be that interested in RTF text editors. But a lot of people may, may be looking for that. Yeah. Well, that, that brings up an interesting question. I know, David, you've spoken about this, but you know, Brett, I'd be interested to get your opinions. What is what is causing this renaissance in text editors? Do you think it's the iPhone and the iPad? I I think that's a big part of it. I think the its portability seems to be uh, one of the most important factors to me. Uh, the the ability to pick up your iPad, write, have it you know sync to Dropbox, pick it up on any other editor on your Mac, write some more, and then publish to a standard you know like HTML format and just to not have to worry about whether the format agrees whether any proprietary uh, file formats are going to get in the way it just it it's easier it's it, 10 years down the line you're, you you know your file's going to look exactly the same in you know whatever editors exist at that point i think i think people are seeing those um, kind of features of using plain text and it is, it is a renaissance is a good word, but um, I'd say that people are just kind of getting sick of Microsoft Word and its shenanigans with file formats and everything. Yeah, I think DocX was the beginning of the end for Microsoft mm-hmm. Word when people said, you know, we don't, do we need to be here? And I think Apple also helped by creating these rich text tools in the Xcode developer kit where, you know, someone like Keith over at Scrivener who's a single guy, you know, working out of his garage or wherever he works, says, you know what, I'm going to make a word processor and it's not going to be Microsoft Word. It's going to be a difference. It's going to be my vision and, and somebody may like it. You know, that's really, I think, important. Um, I think also the iCloud thing, I wrote about this this week at Max Barkey, is that the iCloud thing is going to create a new thing where everybody who has a good text editor or a good productivity app is going to need to be releasing versions of it on all the platforms. So Dropbox drops out of the picture and it becomes this iCloud sync where it's even easier. Because, I mean, there's some people, uh, probably not many of them are listening to this show, but there's some people out there for whom the idea of syncing folders is, is you know, like speaking gibberish. They don't even, the, the idea is just beyond their ability to, to deal with it. 
All right. Well, I think we're going to come back and and talk about text editors, uh, specifically TextMate and BB Edit. But before we do, I want to take a quick break and talk about Text Expander. Uh, and specifically, I want to talk about um, some of the add-on functionality that you can add to Text Expander because not only can you create your own snippets within Text Expander so for your signatures or for your name or your email address or whatever you want to create, but Text Expander also has um, a set of libraries that you can add on to come with it, a library of autocorrect words or a library of frequently accented words. But there's also been this community that has popped up around Text Expander of people who program and share their Text Expander snippets. And I know, Brett, you're one of those people. And I have to thank you because I think I've got pretty much all of your Text Expander snippet libraries um, installed. And one of the things that I like about that particularly is that, you know, maybe the way that you format your Text Expander uh, snippet codes is not the way that I do. So I just went in and, you know, renamed them in a way that made sense for me. So tell us about some of your tools. Well, uh, did you use the uh, snippet tool that that uh, adjusts everything before you download the file? When you go to my site and you go to like the Markdown tools, I mean, sorry, not Markdown, the Text Expander tools, it uh, it'll let you input your abbreviation. Like if I use comma comma for everything, right? Um, and that's just habit at this point. But everyone has some difference, so you can put in semicolon semicolon instead of comma comma or whatever your prefix is. And then when you download the file or subscribe to the URL for for automatic updates, it uses your your abbreviation instead of mine. I think that's that's pretty handy. I, we're working on a text expander community site, and it's been in the works for a while now. But um, in fact, I think it got its birth the last time you were on our show. Tesnippets.com. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that I think that started on this show because we were talking about how come you know we we got in this conversation at MacWorld like three years ago that we should have like a GitHub or some kind of centralized yeah. location to share all our snippets and an enterprising listener set one up and I promised to put my snippets up there and then I got busy writing a book and I'm I'm still going to make good on my promise but I haven't done it yet and uh, but I think it's a great idea to have a place where everybody can share. You know, we got to bug Mr. Man and some of these other guys out there who are doing a lot of cool things with Text Expander to to upload some of their snippets and uh, and share them. But you're doing it already on your website as well. Well, um, it, the, his name was Alex Alex Puzlovsky. Yes, te snippets dot com uh, is his site, and if you click on t- uh, te tool in the toolbar, he's got a copy of my tool that I gave. I mean. That I it's intended to end up on this site is is what my intention was, um, and I just need to make it so that multiple people can add and people can get attribution for their own their snippets. Um, and once that's done, then this will be the community tool. Well, I think it's a great idea. You know, one of the things about Text Expander that puts it above the competition is the ability to put code in there. And I think Brett, you have um, almost single handedly capitalized on that to all of our benefit. I, I've always been surprised that more people don't do it, but it is—it's a lot of fun. It's a very powerful tool, fun to play with. Yeah. So, what what type of code are you putting in your text expander snippets? What type of things are you doing, just to to tell people who maybe aren't familiar with text expander, the types of things that are possible beyond expanding your signature or expanding just snippets of plain text? Um, what one area that I've really had a lot of fun with, and that is maybe not the most useful, but it's a great area for experimentation, is uh, lorem ipsum text. And I've been able to make 
services or text expander snippets that use online APIs or or advanced randomization uh, uh, algorithms locally to create random and semi-intelligent lipsum, which is like greeking text. It's filler text often used in web design. Um, so I can I have I have snippets that'll create like random text from 1984 by George Orwell or uh, the online service Kwisatz Haderach. Um, just a lot of crazy stuff that's been it's been complex, but it shows what you can do. Okay, so I have one question. Do you are you sure that you have um, pronounced the Dune uh, pronunciation correctly there? Because no, I've, that's one of those things I've only ever heard in my head. I yeah. I read all seven, but. Yeah, I, I read I read the books too, and I never realized exactly how to pronounce the word. How do you say Kwisatz Haderach? I'm not even going to try because I think <laughs> you've 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 shown me up already. <laughs> even the version in my head doesn't sound that good. I actually said Rendesvis for until I was probably 14 years old. <laughs> well, you know, so so using uh, this text expander stuff, you've created some amazing tools, and frankly, that's one of the for me, the cases against going with TextMate is that, you know, I think that there's a lot of untapped potential for me there for the kinds of things I need to do if I were to really dig in and, and start pushing on some of those fronts. I may be able to create the functionality that I, that I would do otherwise with TextMate. But anyway, uh, this is a commercial. I guess we've been going on for some time, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so key to this subject that, you know, I think they understand. Um, but it's 35 bucks, uh, you know, text expander from Smile Software. I think it's just a critical app. I use it all the time. And in addition to all of the great stuff you can do, if you respond to a lot of email or type your email address a lot and you want to make that stuff easier, is you can do some really high-end programming. And even if you're not a high-end programmer, you can take advantage of the work that Brett does and other people like Brett and just download and use his work product. And that's just as good in a lot of ways. So uh, you can find Text Expander and all the other great software made by Smile over at smilesoftware.com, and we want to thank them for their continued support of Mac Power users. Okay, so everybody's talking about TextMate and is it going to survive or not? And I know that like you do some amazing things with that. I know Merlin also does some amazing stuff with TextMate. And um, you know, I bought it. I think at Macworld, you sold me on it. I went and bought the license and... And I got started, and I never really got any further with it. So part of the reason for me to do the show is to to give myself a little virtual kick to see if I can make this stuff work for me. You want to get so, a return on your investment? Yeah, there you go. It's what is it? Forty bucks to buy TextMate? I think that's the license. I think it's fifty. Oh, fifty. Okay, it's been a while since I bought it. And uh, uh, but there. So let's just talk in general about TextMate. It's a, it's an advanced text editor, right? Right. It was created. Um, uh, as an alternative to some of the other text editors on the market as a different take on text editing. And uh, most people use it for programming, you know, doing their Perl or HTML or, or different programming languages. And, and I'm not looking at it that way for this show. I'm looking at it for using it to write. Right. So, but now you are, you're, you use TextMate every day. Yes. So let, give me your take on it a little bit. Okay. Well, I code, I do web development for a living and um, and I write and I do all of this in TextMate. And if you are, if you have a like multifaceted use for it like that, it's, it's an easy sell, uh, selling it just for writing gets a little tougher. Um, it actually, when I first loaded up TextMate, it was a year 
before I opened it again, just because it didn't look like anything I was used to. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. It was a blank slate. And uh, it literally took me a year. And before I, I opened it up, gave it a chance, got onto the mailing list, talked to Alan and the whole, uh, the vibrant community that, that was around TextMate when it was starting. Um, and as far as uh, the history of TextMate as a writing tool, it was Alan, the, um, the author of TextMate, that actually convinced me to stop hand-coding HTML in blog posts and start using Markdown. And he made it simple and understandable, and that was, that was when I started using Markdown. And uh, the tools in TextMate for Markdown are quite good. Um, but in a second, I'll get back to why byword for a writer is a valid replacement but um yeah and, yeah. and but go back in time a little bit i mean byword mm-hmm. didn't exist and even when right. i first bought textmate i was really impressed that you know you'd hit the bracket and it automatically created the second bracket and put the cursor in the middle yeah. and that um when you have a display as textmate i'm sorry as a markdown it it color codes your links and everything and it previews italics and bold and headings so it does some really nice stuff for working with Markdown, which I had never seen before in any app uh, because I'd always written Markdown and I just, you know, you recognize the Markdown um, syntax, but you wouldn't actually see it do an italicize or any of that stuff because that, that just wasn't even thought of at the time that TextMate was doing it. Very true. Yeah. So and it's good the, for uh, that. It's good for that. But there the are architecture. some. Yeah, but there's some newer things like Byword that are doing as well that are a lot cheaper. Okay, so now continue from there. So it's the the thing that makes TextMate my favorite, and I, I've I've played around with everything else, but I will, sorry, I will honestly say that everything every, everything in this field has a learning curve, and once you've really sunk into one, it's hard to convince yourself to um, put a lot of time into learning something that that you can't prove instantly is in, is superior if that makes sense. Um, so I haven't given everything else a fair shake. Um, but th- what makes TextMate really special for me is the plugin architecture that was built and uh, the, the tab stops and the snippets and the commands that can take any programming language and provide a whole series of hooks uh, back into like a dialogue system and, uh, and built-in uh, references to file locations and everything. Stuff like that just makes it a breeze to really extend TextMate. And the number of bundles that exist is, is a testimony to that. Uh, Fletcher even made a multi-markdown bundle that is now bundled with the markdown bundle that comes with TextMate, um, which makes things... He, he did uh, list cleanup and table cleanup. Tables exist only in multi-markdown, etc. Um, he did some really cool stuff that just made editing a breeze. Um, Byword doesn't do the multi-markdown stuff, so TextMate still has that up on it. Um, and, and stop there for a second and explain yeah. a little bit about bundles. So, so basically, when you say plugin architecture, you can come up with a group of enhancements to the application, in essence, and those are put together as a bundle. And so, all these people are coming, yourself included, are coming up with these bundles that then can be shared with other users. And right. all you have to do is install that bundle, and then you've got, you just added a bunch of features to your TextMate app. Right, and bundles are usually like language-specific. Uh, there's a text bundle and a 
typography bundle and uh, but mostly you get Ruby Cocoa, Ruby, uh, regular expression bundles, stuff like that. Um, and generally they are, it's grouped sets of snippets, commands, macros, and syntax for highlighting um, that, yeah, you, you put it all together and you build, you build an editor that covers everything you need to do. And to get the most out of TextMate, this is the first advice you gave me, was go online and install the Get Bundles bundle. So it's like a bundle to get new bundles, right? Yep. And I'll put a link in the show notes because there's a specific few steps you have to go through to install that bundle. Yeah, there's a, there's a fork of it that you need to use now. And it's not to be confused with Git Bundle Singular because that one is horribly broken. So the S makes all the difference. It does. So if you got TextMate, first thing you want to do is get yourself the Git Bundles bundle. <laughs> and, and if TextMate two were ever to show up, I would hope that functionality was built in. Yeah, but for now you got to you got to do a little bit of, uh, of stuff to get that working. And then once you get that that though, it's amazing because you get this Git bundles bundle. And I'll speak as the novice in the room. Uh, there's just you know I don't know maybe hundreds of them. I mean, you scroll through the list. There's so many bundles on that list, among which is one called Blogsmith, which is yours. Yes. Okay, and that's the one that is really tempting for me. I've installed it and played with it. And explain a little bit about all the amazing things you've done with this Blogsmith bundle. Oh, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> well, just like, for instance, uh, we're going to talk in the context of Markdown because I think a lot mm-hmm. of people are using it. Well, and that's primarily what the Blogsmith bundle is. Yeah, and so you've got a thing in there. If, you've got, if you're writing a blog post and you have five Safari tabs open in your Safari browser... You push one button, and TextMate goes to this button. This Blogsmith bundle goes to Safari, grabs the URL for each one of those five, and creates a Markdown link in your active TextMate document with one what was it two keystrokes? Yeah, you missed the step. Oh, did I? It actually gets the title and the link, loads them up in a HUD, so you never leave TextMate. It just pops up a HUD showing you everything that's open in Safari, and you can select all, or you can. Uh, do non-contiguous selections and pick which ones you actually want to insert as reference links and then hit OK and then it inserts the a block of reference links that you can then reference in your post just by hitting left bracket, left bracket around any selection. Hit tab and it'll give you your whole list of reference links. Yeah. And you yeah. just pick the one you want? And, yep, and that stuff makes... I mean, th- I sold most of the writers at Tua on this bundle because... It's all about speed. It's all about not having to flip between apps. It's all about, you know, if you need to do a web search for highlighted text, it'll do it right in app. It'll give you 10 top options and an option for a second round um, without ever leaving your text. And stuff like that makes it really valuable for bloggers who are on a time budget. Uh, If you have the time to make the switch, it's, again a harder sell. But if you're someone who needs to put out content, linking is the hardest part. I, someone said that already. But any, the bundle focuses a lot on speeding up linking. Yeah, and just going back to the workflow I described earlier in the show where I create these these references at the bottom, then I go back at the end and I go through this tango where I go in Safari, get the link, Command L, cop, you know, Command C, switch back over, Command V, switch back. Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing all of this in just a couple keystrokes, and it's just showing up. And you know, when you showed me that, I was like, wow, I'm in. You know, I just haven't had time to really get it all sorted out yet. And so Frank, my, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. 
Okay. My current workflow, uh, just in reference to that, is actually I do everything in line now. As I'm writing, I just create inline links, which are ugly and hard to read. Yeah. Um, but I can do my web searches uh, automatically as I type. Um, or I have a, a text expander snippet that inserts slash slash link me slash slash. And then I do a search for that later to find what I need to link. But then at the end of my post, I have both a TextMate feature and a service that I just put out for, for any editor um, that will go through, turn all your inline links into references and drop a reference block at the bottom of your post. So it's easier to write the links inline and yeah. it looks better if they're references. So that gives you the best of both worlds. So your new service, and this is now a service is something you can do in starting Snow Leopard. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't need to have TextMate to make this work. So if you have inline links throughout your article, you can run this service and it goes and grabs the inline links and creates reference links out of those. Correct? Yep. And so when you're Absolutely. done, you don't have inline links. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have reference links. And if you if you write with a combination of inline and reference, it'll recognize that and preserve your uh, existing reference links. Um, it'll make sure there's no duplicate titles, make sure there's no duplicate URLs so that it uses the same title on anything that's linked to the same URL more than once, etc. It's pretty smart. Um, it was actually originally mostly a TextMate command um, that I ported then to a service for the reasons that we've talked about on and off this show. But yeah, okay. So you you are taking some of the uh, the goodness from your blogsmith bundle and you're using tools to put it available to a wider audience people who don't own TextMate on the Mac. Yeah. Not all of them though. No, well, some of them just can't feasibly be done without TextMate's plugin. Yeah. Uh architecture like things that that uh, provide a list of options, for example, like the dialogue system in TextMate allows me to query Bing or Google and get back 10 results and then pop those up right by your cursor. And you can just, you know, type one through 10 on your keyboard and, and pick the link. I can't do that in a service. Yeah. And therefore, TextMate is still better for me. Yeah. So the idea behind TextMate, if I'm a professional blogger or just a serious blogger, um, is that I can create start to finish as long as I've got an idea formulated and I've already done my research. I can create start to finish and even do some research within TextMate. Everything within the single application. If I've lost a link, I need to go back and find it. I can do my search right within TextMate. Get my link and say, "Yep, that's the that's the search result that I want to link to," and go from there. If I've got a list of windows open, I can. I can pull those in and, and reference those in my article. But the idea is to get my writing done as efficiently as possible, to get my post produced as quickly as possible, stay in TextMate, and get it done from there. Yeah, and TextMate yes. creates the syntax for it as well. Not only does it find the article for you, it inserts or injects it into the uh, markdown text in a way that makes sense so you don't have to monkey around with that stuff. You just get to work. And it can publish too. It can send straight to a WordPress or TypePad blog, and yeah, and you you've got it set up in yours. So you finish the post in TextMate, correct? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you hit a button, and then it goes to your logs into your WordPress, and it applies your. Oh, you know the other thing you were telling me, Brett. I'm sorry to jump around on this stuff. Um, is you have it uh, find keywords for you as well? Is that in TextMate? Do you do that? Uh, you mean the auto tagging? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's a combination of a WordPress plugin and a TextMate command that they talk to each other. It pings WordPress, gets a list of all your tags, and then uses uh, some and sorting algorithms to figure out what's most appropriate for the text you've already written. And uh, kind of it's, it auto tags your posts uh, with keywords that you've already used. So you're not creating a, like multiple tags and really messing up the folksonomy of that. You are a mad scientist, Brett. Now here's my concern with TextMate though. You know, when I go back and I look at their blog entry, They've got a blog entry from you know July twentieth of two thousand eleven that says, "Yeah, we know that Lion was released and we got some known issues, and we're going to be issuing an update to deal with that." But then the last entry before that is November eighteenth, two thousand and ten. Exactly. What? Yeah. What's going on there? We're uh, the, the, uh, TextMate two became vaporware, and and it's a scary thing because a lot of us there's still a huge community of TextMate users that are depending on TextMate and everyone's starting, you know, everyone's getting nervous. Everyone's playing with Mac Vim and Vim and Espresso and, um, and BB edit for sure. And, uh, it's, it's become kind of a, it works for now, but how long will it work kind of question. And, uh, that makes it again, even harder to sell. I'm not doing a very good job of selling this. I know. I don't but, want you to sell. I just want you to kind of explain. <laughs> you know, I mean, one of the points I'm getting out of this is, you know, these are some great tools for bloggers. But if you're someone who writes for your job and it doesn't involve links, I mean, I don't think there's any reason for TextMate that I've heard. Definitely not. Yeah. But, and, and we're not looking to sell it. I mean, I just want to kind of get the story out because it's a, it's a question that I have, and I'm sure a lot of people are sharing it. I just, I know, I feel like I'm supposed to be, in everyone's eyes, the, the TextMate guy because I've concentrated so heavily on it for so long. But like you said, I've been kind of working to bring the functionality elsewhere because I'm as nervous as everyone else. Yeah, so you're, some people's response to the slow production of TextMate 2 or maybe non-production is to start looking at other editors and, and what you're doing in some way, it's better for me, that's for sure, is uh, you're just looking to export the best functions to make it kind of application agnostic where you can mm-hmm. use it in any app. Yeah, that's, that's easiest for me. I played around with writing plugins for Coda and Sugars for Espresso and plugins for Vim and it just got, everything is such a different approach and some of the the best new editors that are coming out now are very proprietary, like using new scripting and everything, and you. Um, and it's it's overwhelming to try to when you haven't picked an editor to favor to try to provide functionality for everything. It's easier to find universal agnostic ways to do it. Yeah, well, it's um, it's interesting. You know, like one of the things about TextMate is, you know, I'm getting really sold on Lion's autosave feature. Like, I, I'm starting to really dig it, and that's not in TextMate, and I'm not sure it ever will be in TextMate. I mean, I don't yeah. think it's that hard to add it, but it just seems to me like they're not that interested in doing it. Yeah, I I don't know why, but I I do agree with you. Um, so that. That's interesting. So TextMate has got some real power. And it sounds to me like a, particularly if you are a blogger, you may it may be worth the fifty bucks just to use this blogsmith bundle. If you know, if you get paid to write, mm-hmm. that could be a good investment. Um, however, I do think that it's worth exploring, like some of the stuff Brett's doing and some of the stuff other people are publishing now, using Text Expander and services. 
uh, you may be able to get pretty close with that functionality. I know, I like, I'm not sold on TextMate. I think I'm going to continue writing the way I'm writing. Um, and But I am going to get more aggressive about uh, using some of these services and text expander snippets. It's just, I've been so busy the last few months with this book project that I didn't have time to, like, learn any new tricks. I've been... What? And ByWord really does take the best of the basics of TextMate. And, you know, with the auto pairing, and if you select text and hit a left bracket, it'll wrap it instead of deleting it and replacing it with a left bracket. It'll wrap it in a pair of square brackets. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, that's the kind of thing that's just simple stuff. If you, if you start a list with like an asterisk or a dash, when you hit enter, it'll continue the list. And it makes a huge difference in editing to have those features. Yeah. And, but it has that down in like, do you know the command K shortcut in Byword? It well, works. I, I use it. Yeah, I use it in, in mail. I haven't used it in Byword yet. So yeah, it works the it, same it, work, way. it creates a markdown link for you. Oh, nice. Oh, sweet. Uh, like it surrounds it in the square brackets and then puts an empty parenthesis set after it with the cursor in the middle. I wasn't even aware of that. I know. I just found it last week. It's awesome, though. So then what you do is a good workflow would be to create inline links using command K mm-hmm. and the paste buffer from your Safari and then your Safari browser URL bar, that is, and then run your new service at the end to make those all reference links. Exactly. And you're good that's, to go. That's my workflow. Okay. Hey, great minds. Well, you know, you had said that, uh, that using Mark, you've learned a lot of people's text workflows because you're selling an app that deals with text you're hearing from them. I want to talk about that, but before we do that, let's talk about our second sponsor, uh, 1Password. 1Password is uh, the application that I have to put on all my Macs, on all my iDevices, because, you know, David, we've gotten to the world where we have to have strong, secure passwords for everything that we do these days, just because otherwise it's too dangerous to repeat passwords across multiple sites or to have that same little dinky password that we use for everything. So I've got 1Password on my Mac. I've got it on my PC at work. I've got it on my iPhone. I've got it on my iPad. They make uh, additions for Android if you're so inclined to use Android devices because it has all of these super strong passwords that are the keys to to all of my websites. I have no idea what my passwords are to my various websites, but the only thing I have to remember uh, is my one password, and it is a strong password um, because it will it will fill in everything else I need to go. And, of course, the magic that keeps this all together is Dropbox. Yeah, and we're recording this the day before Labor Day. I'm at... Um a relative's house and there's a bunch of us here. And of course they're all Mac users from over the years. Cause I stopped giving PC tech support. That's a good and, way to uh, convert them. Yeah, exactly. But it's interesting because there are the folks that have seen the light with one password and the ones that haven't. And I've been, you know, everybody saves all their problems till they see me. And there's a couple of them where we've got a password issue where they've lost or forgot the password. And they're the ones not using one password and there's nothing we can do because it's over the weekend and the tech supports closed. So we can't call and we can't get it reset. And, there's some problems, and then the people with one password are having no problems. So it's, it's just a great app. Uh, it's $40 for the Mac. You can get a five uh, pack for your whole family for $70. Uh, there's a hybrid version for $15 that gets you both the iPad and the iPhone, or you can get either one independently for $10. Everything syncs, like you said, through Dropbox. It just, it's just a great app and changes the way you'll manage your passwords for the better. Well, anyway, it's a great app, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And uh, go check it out. If you, if you don't have it yet, it's really worth taking the time and uh, learning how to use 1Password. It's going to change the way you manage passwords for the better. 
So, uh, Brett, the other competition to TextMate, the one that at least seems to be getting updated fairly regularly, and I think recently got a price drop and is now in the Mac App Store, uh, is BB Edit. So, do you have any familiarity with BB Edit? I yeah, I mean, I I I tried BB Edit out at the same time I was getting into TextMate. Uh, immediately felt that I didn't pre- I didn't prefer it enough to get through its learning curve. Uh, last week, I decided. Uh, mostly for the purpose of this show, but uh, also just for uh, knowledge enhancement, download it or run the 15-day trial and really try to get into making it do what I love about TextMate. And I didn't do great with it. I, I learned enough to know that it, it it's powerful and it can handle a lot of what I want to do. Um, I don't I don't like that toolbar at all, though. The uh, Like at the top of the window... I don't want all those buttons. That's TextMate is Chromeless uh, to an extent, and I love that about it. It's going to be hard for me to accept something that has icon buttons everywhere. Seems to me like BB Edit. Some of that's got to be customizable, though. It is. You can yeah. you can add and remove buttons, but it still just doesn't look as nice to me. It seems to me like BB Edit, at least to a certain extent, is really powerful for what it was designed for, which is I think HTML coding and web web design. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know so many really, really well-regarded web designers who swear by. It. I mean, people who switch to the Mac for BB Edit, and I think it really is good for that purpose. But um, I've been trying to to work with it as a text editor, and the same thing. It's like it's it's probably more than what I need, and you know, like ByWord just kind of scratches the itch so much better uh, for the stuff I've been doing. But um, I think if you're looking just for uh, writing with a power text editor, I'm having trouble making the case for BB Edit. You know what? Uh, not to jump off the BB Edit wagon, but um, Espresso from MacRabbit is yeah. really pretty. Its sugar system is ideal for creating uh, like text filters. So is BB Edits, but Espresso is they they're about to release version three, which is. It's primarily uh, geared towards HTML development, but it is, in fact, a really good markdown writing tool. Uh, again, it's in that same like $50 price range, I think. But, uh, but it is, it's being updated regularly, too, and I think it gets overlooked a little too often. Well, you know, the funny thing is this market seems to be tied up by TextMate, and if they would just actively develop it, they would probably be able to, make, to hold on to it, you know? Oh, absolutely. I'm sure that if there were more blog posts on the website and there was more talk of uh, TextMate 2, that you probably wouldn't be spending as much time as you are releasing all this stuff as services. And Right. No, I'd be back on the TextMate mailing list, you know, hacking around with all the other TextMate nerds. But yeah. but it was being regularly updated, and it and it got longer in between and longer in between, and it's been so long now that nobody nobody really that I know believes that there's any major upgrade coming now what about vim vim is amazing i didn't start trying it until this year um and the learning curve is intense but once you get the navigation and the command uh kind of sequence down was that me sorry once you get the navigation and the command sequence down it is it's more powerful than TextMate. i mean and it's it's got years decades of uh of programming behind it and it's it's awesome 
But seriously, that learning curve is enough to scare away anybody. Yeah. And once again, you know, the, the idea of this show is someone who writes a lot, uh, you know, and has decided they want to write in text instead of Microsoft Word or Pages, you know, what is the tool for them? And uh, we do keep coming back to, I think, the simple, you know, kind of byword or NV alt or something along those lines seems to be really maybe the best solution. I mean, I don't think I'm going to really change much from what I'm right. Well, there are people, I know of people who have written entire like thesis. What's the plural of thesis? Theses? I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they've written huge papers using Vim and, and like Vim, once you get it, it's so fast and like navigating and changing and, and editing is unbelievably fast. Just it takes a while to make it become intuitive, but yeah, I mean, as far as like your average everyday writer, yeah, I I think we've kind of said <laughs> Byword is kind of the way we would go. Yeah, yeah I actually uh, downloaded Byword while we were doing this podcast. <laughs> Ho- hopefully, that didn't limit our bandwidth at all. <laughs> well, um, you know, I can know John Syracuse talked on uh, his show on the conversation that he wrote his mammoth uh, lion review in BB Edit. Yeah, I did see that. That was a mammoth review too, wasn't it? Yeah, so I mean, and BB Edit is actively developed. It supports this lion autosave, which which we all love. Um, It handles massively large files, and I've heard that's a knock against TextMate, that if the file gets too big, it doesn't necessarily handle it. Yeah, it even warns you, this file may be bigger than we can handle. Yeah, so I mean, there, there are some definite advantages to BB Edit, but I know, and but you know, John Syracuse is also a really you know he's a ninja level programmer, so he works in BB Edit probably all day, so that's where he's comfortable. Yeah, but and that's exactly exactly what I mean when I say everything has a learning curve and it's hard to jump between these advanced text editors and people who love BB Edit. And there were battles back in the day; it was like gang wars, BB Edit versus TextMate, and. I have I've never doubted that BB Edit is a great editor. Uh, I just I just have it hasn't sunk in for me. That's all. And, and my point is, uh, for someone who's not a programmer and someone who just wants to write with their computer but feels like text is the way to go, you know, there's all these tools out there. And and I just wanted to do a show where we talked about what the options were. And you know, am I missing out on something? You know, getting back to the reason I'm a nerd. I want to find out is there something I should be doing that's more better, you know, faster, more efficient, et cetera. I do want to um, touch for a minute because I know if we don't, we'll get feedback on it. What is, you know, we're talking about power texting and I know we're going to get someone who's going to write us and say, why aren't you talking about Microsoft Word? Why aren't you talking about pages? So I think we need to take a moment and make a distinction between text editing and word processing. And by the way, um, for the folks who are relatively new listening to us, we did do an entire show on the topic of word processing. It was pretty or pretty early on, I think, David. I'd have to go back and look at the show notes. We'll probably put a link to it in the show notes. But um, the differences between text editing and word processing and, and when there's a place for one versus a place for another. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of plain text as a medium for writing because it's timeless. It doesn't have all that formatting buried in it. You know, when you write something in Word or Pages, if you look at the file, there's a lot of stuff in there, which the word processor needs to manage the file, make sure it's bold in the right place and it has the right font size and all those things. 
and it adds complexity to the file and it, it takes away the ability, as I think Brett used the word earlier, portability. You know, uh, you've got to be able to move the text around, especially with these mobile devices. Uh, you've got to work in a format that's, that's nimble. And I think text is the way to go. So, uh, that's different. You know, uh, I'll take a text file and write it. And at the end, I'll put it in a word processor if it's something that needs to be printed out, you know. Uh, if it's something that gets pu- published to the web, it never sees a word processor. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly the way I am too. Um, word uh, processors serve the purpose of of adding formatting for print, etc. when when it's needed. But in general, it it always seems to me like they're designed to let people make things uglier than they need to be, uh, with a whole bunch of bold and font changes and color changes, and it's functionality that that I don't think most people really need. And I'd like to say I'm above it all, but I remember when I first got on a Mac and it had that font button and it like blew my mind, <laughs> you know? I mean, this is like 86 or whatever. And do, do, I don't know if you guys And are then a couple it. of years later when you got the color screen and, the, and then the yeah. little color button blew your mind. Oh man, I had so many fonts and they were so ugly, those documents. And then I, I actually used the San Francisco font. I don't know if you remember that one. It as was long a, as it wasn't Comic Sans, I'm okay. No, it was also called the... Um, ransom note font because oh, they oh, just yeah. they combined every font <laughs> I, I used it i i have to admit i i think i issued memos with with the san francisco font at one point in my life it's dark and ugly but i can admit it anyway um so text editing is i think really the way to go for for my writing at least and uh i'm glad we had a chance to go through this now brett because you've released marked and you've you've been hearing from all your your users you said that you had heard i think before the show you told me there were like hundreds of different text workflows that you had never even thought of that you've listened from, uh, gleaned from some of your users. What are some of the best ones that you've heard? Oh, I don't think I could rank them. Um, or what are some of the more interesting ones you've heard or different ones you've heard? Well, honestly, the most surprising to me is the number of people that use text edit. Hmm. Like, uh, you know, as, as someone who's always had, you know, one of these power text editors, it's, it's a foreign concept to me that you would just sit down with a regular plain text editor that has literally zero features. Um, and to find out that people, you know, that was for the longest time, it's been the distraction free editor, you know, the, like there's a craze now, but text that it's always been there. And it's, it's impressive to me how many people have been writing huge long form pieces using text edit. Um, maybe not surprising to you, uh, Katie, but That's what uh, I do. it was to me. Yeah. So I hear. Anything else interesting you learned from that? Um, well, no, not necessarily. It's like I said, everyone has a different preference. And that's, that's the takeaway for me is there is no one workflow that makes sense to everybody. And that's why Marked exists. Yeah, so you, you're adding a function to whatever workflow you use. You, you're adding mm-hmm. a Markdown preview. And yeah. some other things. And it doesn't, uh, honestly, it doesn't work well with things that store files in a database right now. But like Scrivener, for example. Yeah. But that is definitely something I'm working on because it would be awesome to just have marked everywhere. Yeah. Well, one, well, of, one of the things that I've always tried to be very cognizant of is that I try not to add complexity for the sake of adding the newest newest function, you know, the newest thing that has bells and whistles or the newest app or the newest thing that's pretty. Um, you know, so I, I try to, to be aware that those things are out there and I try to try them, but 
you know, if it works for me and it's, I'm productive with it, you know, you can waste a lot of time fiddling. Yeah. I'm, I'm really good at fiddling. <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've got better over the years about not fiddling as much, but I, uh, I'm with you. I, I really felt like a kid in a candy store when all these text editors started showing up, but a lot of them, I mean, I really don't want a text editor that's only going to show me one line of text, you know, <laughs> or yeah, three lines or whatever. I, I mean, I need to see all the words. It's a cool, it's a cool idea. Like if, if you're just, not for editing, but for writing, it's a cool idea, but I've never found it to be functional for me, uh, to be efficient for me in practice. Well, I've never had the problem of of not being able to continue writing because there are additional words on the screen. Yeah, no, that, I know. That's never been a problem for me. I don't even have a problem with icons and, and maybe I have to hide like a Twitter client or something, but yeah, I know what you mean. Well, I have I, to admit, I've just never had a problem being that distracted. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, admit, I think though, there's medication for some of that stuff. I do have to yeah. admit, I have to admit Microsoft Word gets on me a little bit. There's just so many things going on with that interface. Mm. But yeah, it's not a good UE. Although uh, 2011, did you see Microsoft Word 2011? Yeah, mm-hmm. and their full I, screen mode is good. You know? Yeah, I just popped it up uh, for the first time yesterday. I saw it, and I was actually impressed. It, it's a big, like, as far as interface goes, it's a big step forward, but it's still, like, it's still just completely loaded with tools. Uh, Word and PowerPoint just designed to look horrible to me. Like you have to go out of your way to make a good looking document. Pages and Keynote, on the other hand, uh, make beautiful stuff that you have to go out of the way to make ugly. So I would recommend, you know, if you need a word processor, you know, use a Mac product. But that's, again, personal opinion. Well, but the thing is, a lot of people have to work with Word because their office uses Word. And um, or they have to got, collaborate with people who use Word. Yeah, or if you've got an office where everybody's on Word for Windows and they really yeah. want you to have the best compatibility. Yeah, it's not I perfect, understand. but it's better. But but I, I do think, and I, I find myself defending Microsoft a lot more than I thought I ever would. But <laughs> the uh, they I think uh, Word 2011 is much better. Yeah. And you know the people on that team, I bet there's a lot of people on that team that would love to just take a machete to a bunch of those features, but they don't have a choice. I mean, their their marching orders are, you know, we want 100% or as close to 100% compatibility with all the features in Word for Windows as we can. And yeah. there's just a lot of buttons and levers and switches to make that happen. But uh, for this show, I am very pleased uh, that we were able to talk about some of these uh, issues about TextMate and BBEdit and some of these others. And I'm actually kind of feel... Uh, empowered now to go and up my game with some of my services and my text expander. I know where to go now because I wasn't really sure before we started recording whether I need to like dive in full force with TextMate or do I need to just kind of figure a better way to work the stuff I'm doing. Can I get a little tighter? And uh, I'm leaning towards that second now. Well, I, I kind of feel the same way. I'm going to try ByWord because I think that's going to have some of the built-in functionality that I use a lot of, of um, third-party you know, text expansion snippets and whatnot for. But I don't see my workflow changing a lot. I think I'm going to continue to use you know, text, plain text documents or rich text documents. You know, I don't see myself switching to a BB editor or a TextMate or any of those types of things because for me, the simplistic method works. I don't, I don't see myself coding or, or having a need to use... Uh, any of these more advanced tools. 
So check out the Markdown service tools. I'll send you a link to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, Add them to the show notes. Yep. Um, that that will give you the everything from converting your inline links to references to the ability to grab all your Safari or Chrome tabs and turn them into a reference list for use in the post. Um, and then a whole bunch of uh, just basic bold and italic stuff that you can use in like text edit um, to make markdown emphasis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's it's it's a collection, and I've been updating it a little more lately. Um, but definitely, if you want to stick with a workflow that's simple, but you know doesn't require a huge bulky editor, uh, this, those services can uh, can really up your game. I think Sal Segoyan's the guy at Apple who's behind getting that services added in Snow Leopard. And uh, to me, that was like the big improvement. I mean, it, it changes your game so in so many ways if you just spend a little time using services. It's a it's a topic for a whole nother show. But uh, did you see the the experiment I did with um, the key bindings? Yeah, I, I've I've got it in Instapaper. I've had chance. That stuff to get is insane. It. Yeah, it's insane. And uh, I don't so know how to the, say his name, Laurie or Laurie or. Uh, it's a guy, um, he kind of, like, I found the code on his site and I started hacking around with it. And, I mean, I can replicate, like, my favorite one is Command-Enter. In, uh, in TextMate, that jumps, even if you're in the middle of a line, it jumps to the next line and creates a, a, an empty line there, uh, like using O and Vim. But I can replicate that in any text editor now. And that and a whole bunch of, like, I can hit... In mine, I can hit Control Command S for surround, and then hit a quote, and I'll wrap text in a in quotes, whether I'm in Safari or Text Edit or a, an entry field in uh, you know like a file save dialog. It's crazy cool. And see, for me, that's another. When I read that you were doing that, that was like another nail in the coffin, a TextMate for me, because I'm thinking, well, we can probably develop these tools to be independent of any app and use them everywhere if we start. You know, spending some more time with this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And by we, I, I generally mean you. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> yeah. Do you take requests? I actually do. Right. Like, as long as long me, as they're attached to a twenty dollar bill or a fifty dollar bill, or as long as they're even, written on that 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 inline uh, inline links to references was actually a request on Twitter. Uh, no, it was a request on a comment on on Eddie's practically efficient blog. And I filled it same day. Uh, so, I mean, not to get everyone excited, but um, yeah, if you have a really good idea. Well, I think the request I, I still have outstanding is I, I want you to make a iTunes auto-update my apps. Yeah, I would like that. I think we were working on that, but I gave up on it. Oh, get back to Some work. things just aren't possible. Get back to work. Although Apple did just release an automatic downloader for like iTunes Connect stuff, so... There may be there may be an API coming out in the whole iTunes arena. We'll see. Well, I, I really appreciate your contributions to the community, Brett, and it's just amazing stuff. I'm, one of the best things about finishing this book is now now I can go back and catch up with the all the Instapaper stuff that I've got. You've got like your own tab for me in my Instapaper accounts, so I'm gonna go back and play with all the stuff you've been cooking up and. And uh, go in and fiddle with it myself. Not that I have your anywhere near your abilities, but I do enjoy going in and having fun with that stuff. Yeah, well, let me know if you have questions, and definitely let me know if you have ideas. Yeah. All right. Um, let's hit our let's hit our last sponsor and then get the feedback. Um, 
Our last sponsor is uh, LaunchBar from Objective Development. And one of the things that I like about LaunchBar is it allows you to auto-launch just about anything on your Mac, including all of these geeky services that Brett comes up with. Do you know you can call up just about any OS X service um, by name, and you can just, without ever leaving your hands from the keyboard, so say you're you're working in your text editor and you want to bring up all those markdown references and run that that service, you just have to call it up. Yeah, you, and you know, you know what's really cool is it works with services you don't have enabled, the ones that don't show up in your contextual menu. It still can run. I love that. Yeah, and you just want to make sure your library indexes that folder where those services are located. Uh, sometimes it doesn't, so you may need to go add that. But you're right; it it will run any service in the folder. It doesn't matter whether or not uh, it's in your contextual menu. So LaunchBar is an add-on on top of your operating system where you hit a key combination, this little window pops up, and you just start typing and magic happens. It does so much more. It can launch apps. Uh, it can uh, provide you uh, access to your iTunes library to launch music. It can allow you to create events and to-dos in iCal. It can access entries in your address book. It gives you quick access to your clipboard history. It allows you to quickly navigate to files. You can go to applications and see a list of your most recently used files. And one of the great features of LaunchBar is it's really, really smart. So as, as you, it starts learning from you. So if you want your, uh, you know, uh, abbreviation for a certain application, as long as it makes sense to be something, you type it. And then once or twice, if you select that application, it will learn from that on that point forward that that's your abbreviation that you want to use for that application. And I feel so handicapped now when I sit down at a computer that does not have LaunchBar installed. Are you a LaunchBar user, Brett? Yes, definitely. It's it's a great app. I mean, I I used Quicksilver for years and years. I even did screencasts on it and talked about it and wrote about it. But then, you know, I think at one point, I mean, the uh, Quick silver guy was saying, well, you should use LaunchBar because I'm not working on it anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was crashing for me and having all these problems. And I know they're trying to like kind of revive it, but at this point, I'm just so hooked on LaunchBar. I can't yeah, imagine. me too. Like, they've done a decent job. I think they're up to 56, uh, release beta 56, and they've made it stable even on Lion, uh, but I'm so into LaunchBar, and I was so much invested in launch bar actions and everything that I don't really have any desire to try to switch back. And, you know, it's actively developed and, you know, aggressively developed, you know, like this. Yeah, it really every, is. Everybody's excited about this Fantastical plugin. And, you know, they've got a thing where you can just run it from launch bar now. So mm-hmm. those guys are just on top of it. And uh, you can get a single license for 35 bucks. You can get a family pack for $60. And uh, if you haven't upgraded to the newest version, you really should. And those upgrades start around 14 bucks. And, uh, we thank them for sponsoring the podcast, but you know, LaunchBar uh, makes me look really smart when people watch me use my Mac because it's just amazing how fast I can fly on it. And uh, I most certainly will have some of these services I'm looking forward to digging into attached to LaunchBar or shortcuts. All right, time for some feedback. Yeah, you know, we haven't got it in the outline, but uh, we got a new theme song. We do have a new theme song. Uh, this is uh, uh, performed by some very, very famous artists, David. Yes. <laughs> so I, uh, we, I put it out there that we were going to do any theme song. We switch over to five by five. And, um, at the time I was right in the middle of book hell. I mean, I was just like pushing really hard and busy with the day job as well. And I got to a point where I was just overwhelmed, you know, and I didn't know what I want to do, but I did know I didn't want something full of loops 
you know, Apple. You didn't loop. want something that we could potentially hear somewhere else. Yeah, and I didn't want something that was, you know, that sounded really um, artificial. So I talked to my friend, J.F. Breset, who is a friend of the show and a really smart Apple guy on his own. And, and he is a former musician with the Cirque du Soleil out in Las Vegas. And, uh, and he still plays actively. And I said, look, help me, please. And he wrote this song for us. And uh, we haven't given it a name yet. I think we're going to name it Colonel Panic, but we're not sure yet. <laughs> but, um, uh, and, and he says, you know, you have to play your sax on it. And I'm like, you know, I, I used to play the sax professionally. That was a long time ago. I'm, I completely stink at this point, you know. And uh, I got it out. My read was 10 years old. I had the date written on the back of it. And uh, um, went ahead and recorded the, uh, the melody. And then JF did a bunch of other stuff. He played the bass, the guitar. He went and got a friend who plays the drums and uh, stuck a microphone in his piano. I mean, so all this stuff is there's no loops at all in the new theme song. Um, some all people are original content. Yeah. Original song, original music. So it's kind of fun. Uh, I intend for it to evolve. I know I've got some teasing. My favorite tease about it so far was someone asking me if, uh, if they, we heard it at the Regal Beagle. Oh, uh, I you know, but that. the, uh, uh, you know, it is a little, you know, kind of seventies cool hip, but, uh, we're going to evolve with it and it's going to be fun. So just beware that that may change and we're going to play with it further and uh, I saw JF over the weekend in Vegas, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So just hang in there with us. And uh, thanks, everyone, for the, the nice words about the new theme. And, and thank you so much uh, to JF and to our, our performers. Yeah, I mean, we may at some point do some kind of workflow around this because it's interesting the way we're in different states and we're able to put this together. Yeah, it was very interesting. All right, a bunch of feedback from our mail episode. It was long enough, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Simon wrote in and he said, Hi, Katie and David, enjoy the show. But one point I'd like to raise is where emails, uh, David said that he doesn't send an email to his clients via Gmail as a security measure. I'm not sure that's exactly what you said. Um, but he said, I would have thought that sensitive information should not be sent as, as email as it's sent in the clear. Do either of you send encrypted emails? If so, are you aware of the GPG tools project? And he put a link. Um, you know, David, do you have a specific concerns about sending email through Gmail as a security measure? Or I think your concern was in general, I don't put anything in email that I don't believe, you know, could get out there. Well, you're, you're both right. I'm, yeah. I'm very conservative about what I write in email, but also the Gmail, I was talking about how, you know, when you write about some product in an email to a friend that there's ads for it in the sidebar and that kind of creeped me out. And the idea of sending client email would make me even more nervous. Um, but I thought the point that he made, which was a really good one was, you know, why didn't we talk about PGP security? In well, you know, show? We, we did in our security show. Yeah, but we should have covered it in the mail show. So PGP is a, a product you can get where you can encrypt mail. And I actually have, you know, I don't like to talk about my day job on this show, but one thing I do have when I get a new client is I have a form that I let them elect to do PGP um, uh, mail if they want. So uh, if they want to do it, I have a PGP setup where we can do all our email through PGP. And so your client just has to get a copy of PGP, or yeah, how exactly. does that work? We we set we help them through. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, did Brett leave? Yeah, Brett had to run. Okay, no he's, worries. He's moving this weekend, so he had to get back to moving. So thank you, right. Brett, uh, okay. for joining in with us. So, But that, that's a good point. I should have included in the outline. But PGP is a great solution if you need to have secure email, and that is real secure. So uh, thanks a lot for making that point, Simon. And then we also heard from Michael, who brought another point up, which I should have covered. Actually, two. Uh, 
One of them I've even done a screencast on was this command K where you can embed links in your email um, where, you know, if you've got a really long link and you hit command K in an email message, you can insert a link. So uh, it's essentially a hyperlink inside an email to a web address, which is pretty cool. And he talked about the uh, quote fix plugin to help make inline replies easier, which um, is a great little app. And I did not include that in the show. So I'm going to make sure we cover that. In the show notes. Sorry. Okay. Um, we also heard from Adam, who has a comment about our prior show on Adam Lissagor's workflow show. He said, just a comment on Adam's use of Dropbox. He says he keeps everything in Dropbox, and that's fine, but realize that Dropbox does not do versioning. That is to say that if he keeps his Final Cut projects in there, and he's always working from one file, he's losing the changes that he's made to the projects a day before. So when he begins a new day of editing, he could either make a copy of the previous day's work and then work forward, therefore preserving you know, any of the work of changes, or he could make a copy of the previous day's file project and then delete it, letting archi- uh, Dropbox's archive feature uh, permanently preserve that solely on Dropbox servers and not on his machine. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. And we heard from JF, our musician friend, and uh, he, he sent a very funny email that says, Text Expanders handles my end of message, and then he put in his snippet for EOM. And, of course, the body of the message was empty. I thought that was funny. Uh, We also heard, um, I guess from David, uh, not you, I would presume, uh, about uh, different Gmail variants. And he says, I want to pass along a Gmail iOS tip. And this is a good tip that I meant to cover. He said, if you set up Gmail via the exchange option, it will sync your personal calendar only. If you set up the account via iOS, because we talked about how you can set up Gmail via Exchange, and there's some there's some benefits to that. But if you but apparently the the calendar only syncs your personal calendar, and if you want to have multiple calendars, the way to do it is if you set it up via Gmail's default setting, it will sync all of your personal and all your shared calendars, but it will not sync your contacts. So to have the best of both worlds, what you need to do is you need to set it up both ways. And then on the exchange option, turn off calendar sync. And then on the non-exchange option, turn off everything but calendar sync. That seems like a slightly complicated but functional workaround. Yeah, we actually heard from several people saying that we didn't give Gmail enough um, time on the show. You know, because both of us, neither of us really use it as our primary mail conduit. And I think that's a good criticism. So the next time... I, I think we could do an entire show on Google projects. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the solution. I think that's or, the solution. And then also I think next time we have a workflow guest who's a really power Gmail user, we're going to go into in-depth with that person. So we're going to give more love to Gmail in the future. Right. Uh, Richard wrote about uh, Lion filing and one email for life. And uh, he had said that uh, in addition to using the command numbers to jump to the hot mailboxes you have in the top of the Lion email... If you hit command and control and the number, it will automatically send the file to that mailbox. Oh. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, for some reason, it's not working. Uh, I, I tested it because that's essentially what I use MailActon for. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I don't need MailActon if I can get this to work right. But uh, it's not working for me, but I'm running a beta of line, so of a future version, so maybe it's because of that. But the... Uh, uh, I, I meant to look at it on my wife's computer, and I just never got to it. So I'm going to check that out. But if you're listening to it, that's something worth looking into. Okay. And then Richard had made the point, you know, uh, you know, because we, we had complained about using a, a web develop. I'm sorry, a ISP 
provided email because when you move, then you lose your email. And he had said, you know, get one email for life, buy your domain. There that's you a real good point. You know, it's 10 bucks a year to own a domain. Well, I guess less than that these days if you go with the right provider. Yeah, so get get your domain and just, you know, have your own email address. And that's but, you know, what we did with Mac Power users is we got our domain. We had our email through there initially, and I think we were having spam issues, and it wasn't as customizable as we like. So we kept our domain and then ran it through uh, Google for the email. Yeah. yeah. And that was all free. So we, we kind of got the best of both worlds is I convinced you to get it. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I think I just kind of did it, didn't I? Um, yeah, pretty <laughs> much just did <laughs> I just did it. Hey, by the way, David, we're on Google Mail. Um, but, you know, you got the best of both worlds. You, you got the benefits of, of uh, Google apps and then also your own domain. All right. So uh, closing up, how do you contact us? Uh, well, you can uh, find links to everything that we talked about on our show notes, as well as all of our past episodes over at www.macpowerusers.com. You can also send feedback to feedback at macpowerusers.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at macpowerusers, or I'm at Katie Floyd, and David is at Mac Sparky. Yeah, and I'm speaking uh, next month on October 1st up in Petaluma, California at the Macintosh Computer Expo. Oh, and yay. You be people on the West Coast get to do all the fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some great speakers there. Uh, Chris Breen, Adam Christensen, Jeff Gamet, Ted Landau, Jason Snell, Derek Story. I mean, I, I don't really belong with this group. These guys are you know, hot shots. Yeah. But they asked me to come, so I'm going to go. And uh, we're going to bring uh, – I'm actually bringing my family up there. I'm looking forward to a nice trip up to Northern California for a couple of days. So if you're up in Northern California, uh, go check it out. Uh, I'll put the link into the show notes, but if you just look at MCE event or Macintosh Computer Expo, Petaluma, and Google, you'll find your way there. Oh, well, that sounds like fun. And I just wanted to mention, we uh, did some major updates to our website since we moved to 5x5 over at MacPowerUsers.com. Redesigned it a little bit, tried to clean it up and streamline it. Um, You can find, obviously, links to how to subscribe to our show if you want just our podcast RSS feed or if you want our blog RSS feed. Um, or things like that. That's all on our show. We also have new ways where you can buy uh, uh, gear, our T-shirts, coffee cups, whatever you want, with our new amazing 5x5 uh, logo, as well as links on how to contact us. And also, if you want to support the show, uh, there's links about how you can donate to the show. So uh, you can find all that at MacPowerUsers.com. And thanks, everyone, for stepping up with iTunes comments. You know, when we moved over to 5x5, we lost something like 400 comments. And uh, it's nice seeing so much love come back. So we appreciate it and keep them coming. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Smile Software, 1Password, and LaunchBar for supporting the show. And the Omni Group. Yes, and the Omni Group. And um, for our next show, we've got a potential workflow guest lined up. There may be some scheduling issues, so we may have to switch it to a normal show. Uh, So we're not going to announce it just yet, but hang in there, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. All right. Take care, Dave.